Hi, and welcome to a new episode on Women's Story. Uh, today, uh, today's episode is very special because I'm going to chat with my coach. Uh, she's a very special person to me who really helped me to keep going with the podcast. Uh, we have met in the London Real course. Uh, she's known as a champion for female veterans. She's a Navy veteran. Uh, she lives in the West Coast. She's the host of the Female Veteran Podcast and co-host of Hot Topics Podcast. Her main goal is to make an impact and create a positive change in the lives of female veterans and also help all people to improve their lives Kia Baker, welcome to Women with Stories podcast. Oh, that was beautiful. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for accepting my invitation. Uh, so tell me, how's the life there in West Coast? And how's life teaching you there? Well, as you know, we are all in a lockdown. We are sheltering in place. And um, I don't think I've been outside off my front porch or back porch in about almost three weeks. So that's pretty crazy. But um, I work from home already. And I homeschool one out of two children. And my my littlest goes to um, preschool only part time. So my life hasn't really changed that much, except for, you know, connecting with people outside of my home. So but um, it's calmed down, the panic has settled. Um, things are sort of normalizing in a weird way, if you will, like a new weird normal. And um, the weirdest thing, I think, is not seeing the kids. I live in a, a family community, so there's lots of kids. And it's springtime here, and and it's sunny, and it rains so much here. It's like um, sort of the same weather as London. Yeah. Um, but in the spring and summer, it's exceptional here where I live. Um, just north of Portland, Oregon. And um, because it's so sunny, normally the kids would be out in the streets playing all day. And it's so silent. It's just a very strange silence for this neighborhood. Yeah, that's actually funny because today it was very sunny in Paris. And I went out for a walk. I got lost. I didn't have my phone and no one was out there. So (laughs) I tried to... (laughs) figure out my way back home (laughs) thank god you made it (laughs) coming out there forever (laughs) it was sunny so it was okay (laughs) Mm -hmm. so let's go back to your interesting stories about your serving in the navy and the the military so how old were you when you joined uh, the navy and why did you choose to serve in the first in the first place Well, um, I knew that I was going to to go into the military um, my junior year of high school. So I actually joined when I was 18, my senior year, but I didn't go until I was 19. So until I was finished with school, I went on a delayed enlistment. Um, And I considered going ROTC to become an officer, but it felt at the time for a 17, 18 year old girl, Um, I would owe the military um, a minimum of eight years plus an active reserve time. It would have been like 11, 12 years that I would have owed the military after college, after university. And it felt like too long. I knew that it wasn't a lifetime, a career choice for me. It was sort of a means for me to pursue a dream because um, 
I came from a, a dysfunctional family and we, um, we didn't have a lot of money. And so um, because of that, I knew very early that I was not going to be able to afford to go to college. And it was my dream. So the military provided, um, their slogan at the time was to, to go to join for the M Montgomery GI Bill. It was a new program that helped you pay for school. And so um, I joined because I wanted the money to go to school. It was my dream. Okay. So it was more than an obligation than something you wanted to do. I was completely wrong for the military. I was um, like a hippie. <laughs> and in fact, when my friends found out I was going to go into the, the Navy, they were like, are you kidding? What are you like? How are you going to survive? That's so not who you are. And I, I can remember I would be in uniform and I would pass by like a window and see my reflection and just for like years be taken aback by <laughs> myself in a uniform. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you didn't have this vision like being in the in the navy and no. No. I actually chose the navy because I went to see a bunch of the recruiters and I narrowed it down. My mom my mom's dream had been to go into the army, but um she had children young and um when she finally was when I was maybe 6 she was going to leave to go to boot camp and, and they have an age limit and she was at the max age. And um, when she went, she finally went to get ready to go to boot camp. She found out she was pregnant with my little brother. So she couldn't go because she'd have the baby and she'd be one year more older. Mm. So it was her dream to go to the army. I have also an aunt that uh, retired from the army. And so she wanted she wanted that for me. She felt that all of her children should go into the military. But um, so my older brother went to the army. My older sister didn't go because of health issues. Mm. And then it was me. So um, she wanted me to go to the army and I rebelled because I was a teenager. And I said, no, if I have to go to the military, I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose which branch I go to. So I ruled out the army right away. Um, and I ruled out the Marines because I, I knew I went to private school and we had, um, these house parents that, that helped supervise us, I guess, and helped raise us in a way. And, um, one of my house parents that would come on the weekends, she had been a Marine. So I knew that I didn't want to be a Marine because <laughs> from her stories. And so, uh, next was Air Force and Navy. So I went to see the Navy recruiter and he was a mess. Like his uniform was just disheveled. I mean, he forgot his notes. He <laughs> sat in the seat chair with his feet up like he was kicked back. And he was like, well, I forgot my notes. So I'm just going to tell you anything you want to know about the Navy. Um, what do you want to know? And so I said, you know, can I travel? You know, how do they pick jobs? Like I had some questions. And then my final question was, can you have, how much fun can you have? And he was like, oh man, <laughs> like and he, that was his favorite question. So he talked to me a lot about how much fun he had while he was in the Navy. So that was done. I left to my next appointment was the Air Force. And so when I walked into the room, he was pristine his shoes were the shiniest shoes I'd ever seen in my life. Like his uniform was 
perfection. He gave me this 45 minute presentation that was just so well organized and just, he was impeccable in absolutely every way. And I got up and I left out of there and I went to my guidance counselor and I said, I'm going to join the Navy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you, you, felt, you felt good energy from the guy. Yeah, well, I, I wanted to see the world, which ironically, I didn't. I saw Chicago, but um, I wanted to see the world and I wanted to have fun. And I had been in private school for nine years and I wanted to have, I knew the military was, I was going from structure to structure, right? Mm. And I knew that the military was going to be structured, but I wanted as least structure <laughs> as, as I could get. So, but... Yeah, you want to have a there. new experience. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, I knew I could handle the cleaning. I knew I could handle, you know, getting my uniform organized and presenting myself properly and everything. I knew I could handle the physical training. It was just, I wanted to make sure that I'd have a good time. <laughs> Honestly. That's the best thing. Have a good time and enjoy. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. How, what did. did you learn? What did you learn from that? Um, from the Navy? Yeah. Oh my God, I don't think this podcast is long enough, <laughs> but I, I can tell you this. I learned how to connect with people. Uh, in fact, my first speeches I ever gave were in the Navy because I did an orientation for new students when they, they came into the clinic because I worked in the medical field. Um, and so I started off giving speeches um, every single week to new students. I'd give a class and I, I absolutely love that. Um, I think the big, one big takeaway from the military was customer service and how, and how to communicate with people in a way where you can tell them um, pretty much anything if you say it correctly, um, which I didn't actually learn from a military um, supervisor or a leader. I actually learned from a civilian who I worked with when I worked in the pharmacy there. And um, so she was amazing at communication and I modeled her. So I learned a lot from her. And I learned how to pay attention to details and to be an effective leader, no matter what um, rank. I, because once, as you rank up, you are always outrank someone. So you just learn effective leadership skills. Um, definitely just organization and um, how to complete missions. I think everything's a mission, completing the mission and how to persevere. And, and, and I absolutely believe that perseverance is a superpower. And I learned that there. I needed to make it through those five years that I had on active and three years at an active reserve. So you don't have a choice but to persevere. Okay. It was tough for you when you started? Do you want to just give up <laughs> and go back home? I, I will tell you the first week I was in boot camp, I would, we would get up at four o'clock in the morning. We'd go to bed at like one or two. Wow. And that first week was tough. And I would dream about being at home and I'd wake up, um, and to them, it's loud, loud noise <laughs> and wake up and I'd be like, where am I? I'd be confused, like as to where I was. And I would think to myself, oh my God, what have I done? And then I would think to myself, um, well, I made my bed. I got to lie in it. So I'm going to get through it. 
and boot camp ended up being actually pretty amazing. I met a lot of really cool girls. So women from all over having the same experience for eight weeks, kind of like the London Rail course. <laughs> and it's, and it, and it, you have this bond of having that, um, that, that joined mission. Like you're all trying to get through this difficult, difficult situation together. And so, yeah, I definitely felt like I made a huge mistake for like <laughs> the first probably two weeks. Okay. Wow. But did you have any regrets after serving? Um, okay. So I like to say that I had an amazing experience in the military as a female um, until the day I didn't. And after that, um, I changed a lot. And so it became um, really hard for me. Um, I, I saw a lot of things. I witnessed a lot of things while I was serving that um, I didn't expect. I went in as an I idealistic young woman, and just really sh a really black and white sense of what was wrong and what was right, and what the world should should be like. And I'm sure every young girl or every young person, as they grow, realizes oh no, that's not how the world is. Bad things do happen to good people, that sort of thing. Hmm. And um, the people that are in charge aren't always good people. And um, so when I left the military, I was quite anti-establishment, quite anti-establishment. And I had a severe distrust for authority So that's what, that was my takeaway. So I don't think that I will never regret serving. I actually, my mom used to say, join the military. It is an excellent foundation for your life. And I believe she was right. But at the same time, um, I learned a lot of things that um, as a young girl that, you know, I, I would have preferred to maybe go my whole life without knowing <laughs> So. Yeah, there was tough things happening in the military. But did you yeah. have this conversation with your mother earlier? Did she warn you that there are bad things could happen there? No, I don't think she knew in her in her defense. And also, my mother suffered from mental illness. Mm. So by the time that I was leaving to the military, she was she she wasn't quite on the right medication yet. So there were many years where she was like really touch and go in her ability to think clearly and think what one would call sane thoughts. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I have like a basic question because actually I don't know anything about the military, but it was a, a exclusive female uh, military. It's like separate from males or it's males? No. Actually, um, when I went in, they were just experimenting with um, integrated companies. And what that means is um, my group of people who I all trained with through boot camp, it had previously been separate, all men in a unit, all women in a unit or a company, as we called it then in the Navy. And um, what they were now doing was half and half. So half of my company were guys and they were in the, the barracks 
um, below us. Like we were all in the same mm. housing, but we had one big, huge room with like racks, we call them, but they're like metal bunk beds. Okay. And, um, and there would be a big room and you'd have a locker and there were two girls, like it was just lined up two girls all the way down, maybe a hundred of them in a big room and below us, the guys were. And so, but when we marched and did everything, we did PT, physical mm -hmm. training, we, or our classes, um, we did it together. And so when I left that and I went to a school, which was where I learned my job, which was in the medical field, um, it was both guys and girls, but we had separate barracks. Okay. So, and from then on, even when I became staff working in the hospital and in the clinics, it was separate barracks, but there were, there were always men and female on the base. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. But maybe the energy is different. Like when you, when you are just like with women and when it's mixed, the energy is definitely, definitely different yeah because whenever we would we would eat together with the guys we'd march together with the guys and in the evenings when we get mail call we had a little courtyard and we'd mm -hmm. go down into the courtyard and hang out with the guys and open our mail and you know parents would send cookies and, and everyone would share with each other we'd get to hang out like this little like 30 minute hangout and uh, definitely the energy was very different because you were with the guys <laughs> you know but did you feel like some kind of challenge competition between or no. it's not, it wasn't like that. No, this is like, you know, um, it was either like girls with crushes on guys and vice versa or brother and sister vibe. Okay. So it was mainly a good energy. In, in yeah. For my experience and I talk to women all the time that have served and on different bases mm. and different bases provided different experience. But my experience at Great Lakes in Illinois was really good. Now there was a rapist loose on the base for a while and we all lived in a little bit of terror till he was caught. But, um, but, and that was pretty, pretty traumatic. But um, other than that, no, I mean, I, the, the guys that I associated with, I was yeah. very lucky now, especially now that I talk to other female veterans and hear their experiences. I was so lucky because there were so many situations that I was in as a young woman where something awful could have happened to me and then either perpetrated by the men around me or by someone else. And I was always safe and protected. And I love those guys to this day. That's good. Mm -hmm. we're still, <laughs> yeah we're all still friends <laughs> yeah that's cool so mm -hmm. uh after serving how did you adapt to the civilian life when you came back it was a really i think tough it was tough. horrible yeah it was horrible i um i thought i was gonna come out and like rule the world <laughs> i <clears throat> I felt like um, I was just going to, okay, so I was uh, trained in the pharmacy, but those skills don't translate in the civilian world. You have to go and get a pharmacy degree, but I already had all this knowledge and skills. And I, so I decided that I was not going to go to school for something I already knew how to do. It seemed like a waste of money and time. So I thought, all right, let me go and try corporate. 
So off I went to try my hand at corporate America, but, and I did, I did pretty well and eventually, but initially I had a really hard time. I was trying to go to school and work and I left the military with an illness. Um, I have fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue and I live with Epstein-Barr virus, which people typically know as mono. And they, you would know that most people, they call it the kissing disease. And you typically only get it once in your life. And you're like out of commission for like three months. And then you're back at life and you never get it again. Well, for me, I get it every few years. It just comes back. And it's very rare. And mm. I, it, it floors me for anywhere from 30 to 90 days during that time. So I'm like in bed, like I can't do anything. So working at a corporate job is very difficult when you have disabilities, especially disabilities people can't see. Hmm. You know, so if I'm a veteran and I come in and I'm missing a, um, an arm or a leg or I'm scarred or disfigured or something like that, you can see that something has happened. But when you have an invisible illness like PTSD or many other illnesses, People have a very hard time accepting your truth. So in addition to that, in addition to struggles with just getting up and going to work every day, because they were such new illnesses that doctors didn't know how to care for me. Mm. So um, in addition to that struggle of just trying to have a normal life and, and dealing with knowing that I'll have these debilitating illnesses for the rest of my life, and I was only 25. Wow. Um, it was really hard for me. In addition to adapting to civilian life where people spoke differently, behaved differently, there wasn't the same kind of camaraderie. And understand from about two years in, I was dying to get out of the military. I was like, all right, I did this. This is not for me. I don't belong here. I need to get out of this. <laughs> but there's no getting out until your time is done unless you get into trouble or something like that. And I just really wanted to end my career honorably. It was like my dream. So um, when I got out, I thought the reason I had such a difficult time in was because of the programming. So you understand in boot camp, they break you down to build you back up into a soldier or sailor oh. or airman or marine um, or coastie. And um, when you... Um, when you go through that process, you become a follower. Like you become someone who will take orders and not question them. So somewhere along the lines, the programming did, I felt didn't take for me. So that made my experience a lot harder than most mm. people's <laughs> because yeah. I questioned everything, right? Mm. And I disagreed with a lot of things. So it made my time in pretty difficult. So when I got out, I thought, yes, I'm free. I'm out. My life is my own. I'm no longer property because you become property of the government when you're a service mm. member. So I'm like, I can do what I want to do. I can do. And I thought, oh, I'm free. Freedom, right? Free at last. But then I realized there were so many things about it that I missed. And that was like, like so surprising. It was like, tripped me out completely because I was like, wait, I'm so happy to be out. Why do I want to go back? <laughs> like it was so confusing. I'm like, I don't like it out here. I, I like it out here less. 
You were shocked when you... It was like a culture shock. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. But um, because in the, in the, in during uh, the military, you were following the process. And when you get out from there, there was no process to follow, mm -hmm. nothing. No. And that was really... Thing. Yeah, the very thing that I thought I was going to love was so daunting. Yeah, wow. But after when you discover that you have illness and um, discovered that you you had this invisible uh, illness, did you talk about this with your family or with with oh, the yeah. work? Did they know about that? Um, okay, so no, not at first. At first, I would keep it a secret. Um, and in fact, there was a time where being a veteran meant that you wouldn't get a job. So I didn't even put my veteran status on my resume. So nor would I ever tell them that I was unwell because in corporate, they, they wouldn't, you wouldn't get the job. And I, I was used to, if I went and applied for a job and I interviewed, I'd get the job. It was up to me to decide if I wanted the job or not. So um, eventually putting, putting my military status became beneficial again, but there was a time period in uh, the late 90s where it was not a good idea to have that. I could put the skills on the resume, but I couldn't put that I was in the military. And that was hard because that was my job for five years. That was my longest career, you know? Yeah. And so, and I learned a lot of things there, a lot mm -hmm. of beneficial skills. So um, it was really hard. And I ended up, and I got married young. That's another thing. And the marriage broke up young. So by the time I was um, about 28 years old, you know, I was so down on my luck. I was about to be homeless. I didn't have a job. Like uh, my husband, my husband took all yeah. of our money and left. <laughs> essentially. Wow. And, um, and I had to figure, I had to quickly figure my life out. And fortunately, it if it wasn't for my girlfriends, they came through. And a girlfriend of mine was like, hey, I work for this company. There's a lot of veterans here. And even though it was 40 minutes outside of the city, because I lived in down, like in Chicago at the time, lived in the city, um, I commuted. I, I was fortunate enough to have a car. Mm. And I commuted 40 minutes out of the city. I hated it. But I went to this job and I excelled there. And I was able to work my way up. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, it, that, it, that's a, it was really a tough challenge for you to go yeah. through these difficult times without anyone with your broken marriage and mm -hmm. but thanks God like you had uh, a good support system you had mm -hmm. people who lift you up so this is the bright side of it, mm -hmm. it the beauty of having girlfriends a lot yeah. of times <laughs> just they come through and that's exactly what happened to me and it, and, it, and it was actually during this time that I started to learn about more about veterans benefits and ab about using my education benefit finally to go to school and all of these things and as I learned these things then I would come across other veterans that needed to know them mm. or that were struggling in some way and so I would say hey do you know you're eligible for this or do you know how to get that Or here, let me help you apply for your benefit. Or here, do you know how to enroll for health care? You're eligible for health. Because mm. there was like so many of us that were going through the same thing. It, it took me about three and a half years to find my footing wow. after I left the yeah. military. 
And there was a lot of emotional times during that. Mm. A lot of sadness, depression, and adjustment. Like, there's a lot that we go through. Anxiety. Wow. Yeah, but I, I guess because, I don't know, I just assume, because there was a lack of information and it was not, people won't, won't share information like now because of the internet. But before, maybe there was a lack of information and people, after serving, they got alone and they don't maybe ask for help they feel mm -hmm. shame shameful mm -hmm. shameless for asking help i guess i don't well, know there's a culture in the military of being self-sufficient mm. and not and not needing help, especially if it's mental health not seeking it because it's very much looked down upon in that culture so People, a lot of women, for example, leave with trauma of, or PTSD and want from something or another. And a lot of us come out because we've lost our idealized view of the government or of establishment or whatever. And we come out and we go in the other direction as far as we can of military. Sometimes we don't even say we're veterans. We don't even tell people. I didn't for a long time. And um, therefore, you don't want, some of the girls are so traumatized, um, and, and the guys, that they don't want to use any government benefit. They don't trust it. They don't have any trust. So then they don't, they don't use it. And so another thing is, when we leave, we have a TAPS class. It's a very short class that we get. Now, we were reprogrammed for eight weeks. But when we're leaving, we're so underprepared to re-enter the civilian world that we come out and we're like these like what a week three days of classes and we're like still we didn't retain anything like we didn't learn anything that that we would hold on to um to keep useful mm -hmm. and so it's difficult so when we come out we we struggle and people are different and people don't understand you the same way and and um, women especially are often considered, you know, like bitchy or, you know what I mean? Because we're, yeah. we're, we're different, we're rougher, <laughs> we'll say, mm. um, then, and we, we take less crap <laughs> in the workplace and we're really vocal about things that we see that are not right. And so we, labels are easy to give, especially to a woman who's that kind of strong in nature and in character mm. so we struck like a lot of us struggle for various reasons yeah actually I'm, I'm so proud of what you're doing because you're sharing your experience about serving I because I have a friend of mine <laughs> he mm -hmm. also served in the military he's a British mm -hmm. and when I talked about what happened he said like I won't talk about that just don't go mm -hmm. there. I won't open for this. So mm -hmm. now I understand more why people won't talk about that. Mm -hmm. it, it, it depends a lot on what you've seen and experienced. And a lot of times veterans won't talk to civilians because they mm. know that you won't fully be able to understand, but they will talk to other veterans. There's a whole culture and community amongst veterans that we are now really pushing, really pushing. And in fact, I will announce this on your show that my new joint venture with the veterans channel, wow. which is now, um, you can find my podcast on, on their website 
and we are going to be collaborating on a series for female veterans. Um, and cool. they're, yeah, I'm so excited. And they um, are spreading their wings in the United States now. And I am going to be interviewing female veterans around the globe. So um, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited too to, to see the show. <laughs> yes. And it, well, we're going to have to wait till the lockdown's over <laughs> for yeah. that. But it, it will come. It will come. For now, everybody can check out the Female Veterans Podcast on the Veterans Channel. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it will make a real impact, especially on pe the veterans, female, and mm -hmm. men also. Yeah, for sure. So, 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 yeah. So tell me, what was going on your life before creating the podcast? Where were you on your, oh. your state of mind? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's really funny about that is, um, so from my second marriage, um, it split up. And I... Um, was in bed for about a week <laughs> trying to figure my life out because prior to this I was a stay-at-home mom for 13 years and I was homeschooling my oldest child and I had a, um, a little baby mm. a two-year-old and I needed to figure out how I was going to take care of my family um, as as a single parent and I had always known that when my kids got older, I was going to have an encore career. I was going back to work. I did not feel that I had gone where I wanted to go with my career before I, I had my first son and stayed home. And so I wanted to go back to work. I never actually had intended to be a stay-at-home mom anyway. I wanted to be the breadwinner for the family. And because of my health issues and being a mom, it just made more sense. And now once they were more managed, it took me a long time to get them managed because um, I didn't have sufficient, sufficient doctor care. I had to figure it out myself. It took me a long time. And um, when this happened, I thought I've got to change my whole life. So I turned on YouTube because <laughs> I was like, I was so depressed. Like I was so, I was like, if you can imagine how low you could get, it was like my second failed marriage and I have two kids and it was through no fault of my own. It was like literally one day I was happily married. So I thought, and the next day I had to end my marriage. Um, That's a really so, tough, tough. Yeah, it was period. sudden. It yeah. was sudden. And this was five months after my mother passed away. So I was still grieving too. Mm. And um, I just was like, I have to change. I have to change my whole life. And um, I was so low, I would, thought to myself, I need some motivation. And I put on TV. I was like, let me look at YouTube. YouTube will have motivation videos. <laughs> and I happened to put one on, and it was Impact Theory. And um, it was Tom Bilyeu, and he was interviewing Jordan Harbinger. And Jordan had just um, was talking about his story. He's a podcaster I love, by the way, Jordan Harbinger Show. And he had just um, been through some drama with his original podcast, The Art of Charm. And he had to start over. And I thought, if he can start over, I can start over. Hmm. I, I'm going to change my life. And then I happened to see in the thumbnails, Joe Dispenza. And uh, he was talking about shifting your paradigm or something like that. And I put on his talk and I watched that. And then I watched Greg Braden. And, <laughs> I watched, and then I happened to look over and see a guy who was really sharply dressed. And I thought, oh my God, who is that? He looks amazing. 
I need to see what he's talking about. What is the London reel? <laughs> so I clicked on it and there, the rest is kind of history. It was Brian Rose and he interviewed all these thought leaders the same. So I just started voraciously taking in this information. I thought, okay, I understand what a paradigm shift is. I was already familiar with the law of attraction. I needed to understand that I needed to shift my mindset if I wanted to shift my life and that I would have to um, break the habit of being who I was and create a new self. And I understood these concepts. So I put them in practice and within, um, I would say four months, I was contacted by a company that said, hey, we love your Instagram page. We're doing this thing um, where we, we do a social media package for women. We'll film your story. We'll blast it out. Do you have anything you want to promote? And I was like, no. <laughs> but I didn't say that. I was actually writing. Um, I've been writing this fiction about my time in the military for a while, for years, like little by little, I write this book. And I thought, mm, I'll go talk about my book. I mean, I had, you have to, and they wanted to put it in a documentary and they're like, you buy in, it's a buy-in, like you buy into this documentary for this fee and then we'll film your story and you'll get all of this stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll do it. I'm not doing anything. I have the money. Um, I want to have this experience. But the thing about it was the woman who did it, her name is Kelly. She runs Eris. Um, you can check it out at erissisters.com, I think. Yeah, she, I saw that. <laughs> she runs a company for about empowering women branding, all of these different things that she does. She has an academy coming out really soon for women in business and to help them develop their skills. And um, I loved her and we got along so well that I bought um, a mentorship package from her. And I decided I wanted to start speaking and we were like, well, let's see what you wanna talk about. And as we were talking, um, I didn't know, did I want to talk about fibromyalgia because I was managing my fibromyalgia, I have lots of tips to help women who suffer. Mm. Did I want to talk about mindset? Did I want to talk? Mm. And I started talking about female veterans and she was like that you're so like, just listening to you talk about that. You have to talk about that. And so that's how that kind of began. And we went to the vet center and we spoke to an outreach coordinator because we were going to go pass out food because then she got inspired. And she's like, let's do something. Let's pass out food. Like that is how she is. It's like, let's go, let's do it. And so um, we went to go do that. And the outreach coordinator told us, hey, if you want to do something, give the female veterans a voice because due to the prevailing perception that veterans are men, we don't get donations for them. They don't get boots. They don't get clothes. Mm -hmm. They don't get anything. And when we do our outreach work, they have to take what's left after the men. And by this point, wow. I was like in tears. I was like in tears. And I was like, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. And then I happened to see the ad for Speak to Inspire. And um, I already did. I filmed the this, this speech with um, Kelly. And I thought, I want to get better at speaking. So I, I joined Speak to Inspire. And then after that, I was like, well, it takes a while to, to get to do a speaking career, to get a TED talk or to just start speaking. I said, um, I need some other way to get this message across sooner. And then I saw the commercial for Broadcast Yourself and I wasn't even done with Speak to Inspire yet. So I was like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm going to just take Broadcast Yourself. And that is exactly how the Female Veterans Podcast was born. And I remember telling, um, talking to Brian Rose on the phone prior to the, the keynote call. And he said, what's your niche? And I said, um, female veterans. And he was like, hmm, are you a veteran? And I said, yes. And he said, that could work. <laughs> and I thought, that's it. <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm doing it. He thinks it's a good idea. I'm going to do it. <laughs> and that was kind of, that was kind of it. 
Yeah, especially when it comes from from him. I admire, I admire Brian Rhodes. He's, he's, he's a good man. Yeah. And, you know, when I, I listen to you, it's just like one thing led, led to another thing. So it's like you are going through your right path. Right. It aligns. Everything started to align and it continues to. Um, you know, speaking events come up and I connect with these amazing people and people think of me and go, Hey, you should meet this person. And they, and, you know, and things just kind of keep unfolding. And, and I think to myself always what's meant for me won't pass me by. If it's meant for me, I'll, it'll come to me. If not, then it wasn't meant for me. I think the same thing about my guests. If I reach out to a guest and they don't show up for me or they can't, they don't want to do it. I think then they weren't meant for me and it's okay. I'm going to, leave it to the universe you know yeah wow so let's wrap it up with two final questions tell okay, me sounds good. <laughs> what scares you now um let's see i'm i'm fearless after no. your journey, I think it's a ridiculous question to Because, no, well, because you know, at the Academy, we teach everyone to face your fear, feel the yeah. fear and do it anyway. So, um, but I think I'm the only thing that I would ever be really worried about, because I don't like to give energy to stuff like fear. Um, it's always my kids, just making sure my kids are okay, and especially during times like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... One final question. Tell me what's, what's the best advice now we can give to, to young women out there, especially the women that are starting their path and trying, are in the face of struggle and challenge? Um, a couple of things. The first thing is you are enough for whatever you want to do. Anything you want to do begins with knowing your worth and knowing mm. what your value is. And then add tax. Okay. Second is feel the fear and do it anyway. Don't be afraid to fail forward, but be humble enough to adjust your course if needed. Yeah. And I think the last thing is, is there's power in choice. You have the ability to choose what you want to do. Once you make that choice, go all in and go for it and keep moving forward. Thank you. Sense. Keep moving and just do it. Thank you, Kia, right. for being here. <laughs> My pleasure, honey. I really enjoyed the interview and I'm so honored to have you. I didn't know a lot of things about you. We just, <laughs> we connected and we talked, we talked, but I didn't go deep into your story and okay. I'm really, really pleased to have you today. Thank you so much. Thank you. And it's been an honor for me to be here. This is an amazing show. Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> Thanks.